I have to say that the response to, you know, just saying that my mom wa wanted me to do this podcast was so positive that I couldn't see why I wouldn't. <laughs> if, if, if for nothing else, so that you could tell your mom, you did it. Well, she mom, <laughs> I listened to you and I made a podcast. See, I, I love you. <laughs> well, it was, it was, I'm a good son. Yeah. It's one of those funny, it's one of those funny things because then she went on to give me this example of some family friend in the, I guess, seventies or early eighties that was fired. And I'm like, do you want me to talk to a 70 year old about this? Like I, uh, even if he, even if he kind of remembers the scenario, I don't think to him it, it's so water under the bridge by now that I'll at least record some episodes and see how it all goes. You can, know? can I tell you though? Sure. I, I wonder that's a provocation, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been let go twice mm -hmm. and um, one of them was quite a while ago. <laughs> Not 70. I mean, I'm not 70. No. But I wonder. I wonder if, because these things really, depending on who you are, the circumstances they, they last. Too. Mm -hmm. They last. It's water under the bridge, but I don't think the feeling, the lessons, the yeah. uh, of it ever really goes away. Yeah. The surprise of it, the lessons behind it. This is Hugh Elliott, host of the Dismissed Podcast. I've decided it's now named that. So that's now no longer a question because the first episode I said, maybe dismissed, but I 100% decided that on the second episode. And with me as guest is John Finkelstein. And actually, I'm going to have to get you to introduce yourself because I don't actually know what your role is. <clears throat> well, that, that's, um, <laughs> we'll take that out. No, I'm kidding. I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of, uh, I don't even know what to call myself anymore. I'm a, and this is why I don't know. Advertising veteran question mark, <laughs> because I spent 25, I guess, years in different advertising style agencies, including, you know, being a partner grip for those almost 10 years and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But, you know, honestly, the last five, I've been, um, the executive creative director for PwC Canada. Okay. Working with our clients on large-scale transformations, basically using technology, creativity, uh, branding, design, all that kind of stuff to really figure out new business models, all this kind of stuff, and how to take it to market. Right, it's a whole other thing. <clears throat> and and I I, I, I apologize. And the reason I was like, I don't really know because the last time I did speak with you in person was you were working with Grip, and I honestly don't follow careers and i i just knew you were doing fine <laughs> I, I don't feel insulted okay. i we're all making it up anyway yeah for sure yeah. the last time we did talk was you know when i was at grip and and that's a long time ago mm -hmm. you know we every, i've reinvented myself so many times since then as, as you have it's like i yeah if you aren't if you aren't evolving you know there's no reason to do it like this, the, this is a, this whole industry is all about evolution. And I, I, I think that a lot of us that have been around for this long and it's, it's interesting, but I would say a lot of us that have been around in the interactive world are more used to evolving than if you looked at main agency or, you know, uh, traditional media, they don't yeah. know how to evolve. They just know they're going to throw banner ads into the back end of this thing, but you know, making commercials or making print ads to them, it's, 
there's not a lot of evolution required except they're adding a QR code. <laughs> you're not, you're not wrong. I mean, certainly the production mm -hmm. of, of TVs change, but you're right. I mean, I'm so happy to hear the word someone call it interactive. Uh, I miss that. <laughs> Fuck. Well, I still Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? I yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's, it's fine. Oh, not yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it took me forever to, to stop calling it interactive because we came up interactive, right? Well, that's and, how I mean. Yeah. When we started. Yeah, no, we came up and we, what do you, what, what do, you do? I, I, I do interactive stuff. And yeah. that was, that's what we called digital originally. And um, we had to keep changing because it kept, the technology kept evolving. And I think we were used to kind of agile cycles, even though I don't think we knew what they were called at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Coming around and going, okay. Oh, another iteration. Oh, did you see the latest version of flash or yep. the whatever? And it's like, what's blah, blah, available blah. now? Like, what? Yeah, that's right. What else can we do? And that's, and, and, and that's obviously one of the main reasons a lot of us have had such really drastically different careers over the course of, I mean, I've been going since 1999. And, and when I think about the, the changes to my career over that time, it is, it is absolutely mind boggling that I've had this many changes. My brother works for IBM and he's been working for IBM for 30 years, you know, and it, to him, the idea of not working for them, it doesn't make any sense. We're just not yeah. part of that world, you know? No, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, yeah, it's frightening. No, 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 you, you go ahead. I, I didn't mean to, 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 to stop you. No, I can't imagine being in the same place for 30 years, you know? I mean, I think being, being dismissed is a gift for a lot of people as well. I I think, you know, and, and this does take us to the, the point of the podcast, and I, I won't take up way too much of your time, but it, it there is a certain level wow. of one of the things we discussed yesterday with uh, the previous episode was that <clears throat> over the course of, of my career, and, and when you get into leadership positions, um, it's funny, this is not a video podcast. I'm recording it because I need the audio tracks. So I'm yeah. moving my hands a lot more than <laughs> than anybody will ever be aware. <laughs> That's okay. I'm sitting here mesmerized more than so anybody. So it, it's just, I wear, I, I have a shiny pen and, and I wave it around. Anyway, sorry, sure. I apologize. So the conversation was that when you start getting into leadership, you're the one, you're the one letting people go. Like you're the yeah. one who has to have that conversation and you don't, I do. Re I recall, you know, I, I told a story of letting someone go and how it didn't really impact me. It's I still think about it. I still think about that person. I had to I had to tell you're gone. And in the moment, you know, I, I was dispassionate about it. I didn't think that hard about it. They just told me and it was my first day at the job on the job. So like they were that guy's got to go. And I was like, OK. And I walked in and told me he's got to go. And he, he you could tell how broken up he was, you know. So when I think about when I've been let go from things, sometimes it doesn't bother me, you know, even, even thinking back, like, I'm just like, well, the writing was on the wall. We both knew that it, this wasn't going to last. And sometimes it really bothers me because I feel it's been a manufactured scenario to just get me out. Right. So I wondered, and, and this is why I, I find it so interesting that you, you were one of the people who came out. I've got a story. I really, um, am curious about what you seeing as how you've been on both sides of that particular interaction, yep. <clears throat> like how, what, what your, what your take is and what your, what your story is too. <laughs> I've been thinking about this one. So I'm going to share something with you, Hugh, that I haven't actually shared with anybody before. 
Oh, here we go. <clears throat> so I, I was actually let go from grip. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I haven't actually ever told anybody that because it, it was, a, I mean, and it still hurts all, the, all this time later. Because mm -hmm. a fucking partner there. You know, I owned, yeah. I owned part of the company. I had real money in that company. And um, when you don't see it coming like that, it comes as a real shock. I mean, that was the first time I'd ever been let go from a job other than like when I was a waiter and I was very right. terrible at that anyway. Um, I, I, I was blindsided, man. Yeah. And that's kind of why I was saying earlier on, like about the 70 year old guy, like depending on the context of how he was, you know, dismissed, it, it, it can last with you for sure. a lifetime, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, yeah, I thought I was invincible, you know, and uh, no, nobody is and nobody ever was. Mm -hmm. And it teaches you a lot, I think, about yourself and your resilience and kind of like how you, how do you take bad news? How do you react to, to shit because yeah oof, you, yeah especially when you have a family mm -hmm. and you know a mortgage and all these other things that you know people in our business have <clears throat> and then suddenly you're like dismissed and um so if i can like how long ago was this that that uh the grip thing <clears throat> um let's see uh i will this is a good sign actually to be honest oh, it's a long going, time ago if, if you're going like if you're going like 15 years yeah 12 well, easily 12 yeah, yeah. weeks it's, it's, 42 you know it, whatever oh yeah i don't i don't really remember but i was so embarrassed by it <laughs> you know fuck was i embarrassed i felt like i let everybody down including myself and um you know i think to save the embarrassment i think out of respect you know um my other grip partners you know let me manufacture a story that i was you know because other partners had done this in the past, unless they were also let go. And right. I'm just news to me. <clears throat> Decided to, you know, I've been here long enough. I've done what I wanted to do. And I'm going to go and do something else somewhere else. Right. And There's nothing, <clears throat> you know, it, it's interesting, but I, I think about, um, Oh my, it's so stupid. I'm talking about this, but the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And there's, mm -hmm. there's a scene in which the parents come and live in her apartment that she's paid for. And they, they said, but we're not going to say you paid for it. We're going to say we bought it. And that's the story we're going to use. And she said, but that's not the truth. She goes, it's the story we're using and it's going to become the truth. Right. And so I wonder <clears throat> when you're able to manufacture your own um, narrative on your leaving, how, how much every time you had to repeat it, you know, like it, it, does that, does that tend to kind of like in the very beginning, mostly when people are like, so you just, you just feel like you, you you did what you needed to do and you're, you're moving on. Like it's that yeah. whole thing where they're emailing bullshit. you and you're like, oh, yeah. oh fuck, man, I don't know. I don't want to talk about this right I now. I didn't talk to any, I don't think I talked to anybody. <clears throat> Probably including my family for like a week. Yeah. I was shell shocked. It was like somebody died. Yeah. It was terrible. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, it made it easier the second time I let go <laughs> but because that didn't matter you know as much but sure yeah it was it was very traumatic really traumatic and i felt disingenuous about the story but i was so my identity is so tied up or, or even more so then into the narrative of who you are professionally it was like yeah man. 
that was that was a really that's embarrassing it's like your wife cheating on you or it's something like this you know an indiscretion of magnitude and it and it sort of you know i i think i often think about you know one of the other times this happened to me in in which i was you know summarily summarily dismissed and where i i couldn't talk to the people i worked with for a really long time like uh, who were who were faultless in the entire process who didn't know anything about it but i just could not bear the con the idea of speaking with any of them and Mm -hmm. that's after you know a good solid year and whatever amount of time of we're there for 12 hours a day working our asses off and being quite good friends to absolute silence you know And that's what I'm going through right now, actually, mm-hmm. like all of the, all of my coworkers who for the past three years or two and a half years were my daily reminders on Slack, were my meetings every day to having none of it. And it's a really strangely silent thing. And How I want been uh, uh, since thinking box, it was um, March 6th. <clears throat> so are they, are they actually not allowed to speak to you right now? Have you like done all the paperwork? Coworkers? Yeah. Oh, no, they can talk to me. They can talk to you. Because sure. sometimes there's a period of time until all the stuff is signed. Everything's people, signed. People are not allowed. No, I don't think so. It's funny. I I spoke to I spoke to one, they reached a, a, a former coworker reached out and and I'd said, you know, I'm kind of bummed out. And they're like, you were untouchable. We all believed that no one would ever let you go that you you were the one guy and the, the fact that they did means anybody could be let go and we're all scared and i was like well i'm glad i've had that impact <laughs> it's it is sad like i i'm like don't wor- i didn't worry i didn't know and i didn't worry and i wasn't like i my reaction was very much a are you serious like a so i i wanted them i want anybody who kind of listens to understand that I certainly don't hold a grudge. I, I don't want my former coworkers to be concerned or anything like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it is very difficult. I think that the, the emotional equity or sweat or whatever that we have in yeah. these companies uh, is disproportionate. I think we, 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 we offer a disproportionate amount of loyalty to an organization that mm-hmm. can't have the same amount of loyalty back. It's not, it just isn't possible. Yeah. Uh, even when you own the company. <clears throat> yeah. And I'm not talking about necessarily my, in my case of grip, but fucking Steve jobs. I mean, like, it's like, it doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. And I think fall- the fallacy is to think that we're untouchable to yeah. think that we can cheat death. That's basically another iteration of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have news for you. You can't. <laughs> You can't, you can't do it. But I think the more times it happens, the easier it gets in a way, because you start to believe, at least if, if, if you're like me, you start to believe that maybe you can do something meaningful another time again. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I, I, I think that um, the, the difference between this and the last time this happened um, is that I am way more able to bounce back like i like you said with the bbdo thing um it didn't matter right like it it you it, it happened but like this other one you were so emotionally and financially and whatever invested that 
it it was crushing, you know. And I I have to say, like that first one with 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 Wonder Maker, um, that was crushing. It I was out for a couple of months where I couldn't I couldn't face anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. Um, and this time I'm like, that's oh, not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? It's never easy because <clears throat> we have so much value individual or you know the value we place on ourselves uh, yeah. based in vocation. And it really is messed up, man. We're so programmed and so tied up in, in defining ourselves and our, and our worth based on what we do. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And it's like... <clears throat> I've only just now in my sort of mid fifties coming around to understanding this mm-hmm. enough to ask the question, to know, to ask the question or to understand the relationship because before it was work before everything, man, relationships yeah. and family and why so that you could get dismissed. That's why. <laughs> well, I mean, now do you at pwc are are you still in a leadership role like you Mm -hmm. okay and do you find because of the two experiences i mean let's just say grip um because of grip do you find that you are more welcoming of saying to someone like look you are really overdoing it you need to just chill out like are you do you find that you're like "I, i i love your drive but let's let's hunker down a little bit and and not and not get so wrapped up in the moment. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think, I think I do. I don't think I had thought that I did. <clears throat> but I think before, if nothing else, I always tried to be like family first. It, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. I always said that. Right. But I think in the back of my mind, it's like if you were really committed you'd stay you'd fucking stay and you'd let your you know wife take your kid to the hospital yeah uh, you know what i mean because we have to hit that deadline totally um, totally that's kind of how i would that would be the narrative in the back of my head but now i i absolutely mean it mm-hmm. i absolutely fucking mean it i was on a call tangential i was on a call with with a, a colleague a video call i'm gonna say it was last week super career woman, young kids, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So here, I guess it was like this particular evening, she was um, more on kid duty. And this call that we were having was maybe 5.30. So she had an arrangement with her husband. He's got to do his thing. So he wasn't around. Right. This poor woman was, I mean, it was like Dennis the Menace. You know, the kid was basically <laughs> pulling up, op- opening all the cupboards and opening right. the doors and emptying shit. And she's just like, man... No, and what I said was, um, <laughs> she would have continued the call. Yeah, and I said, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! First of all, this cannot be easy. This this is a huge friggin' stress for yeah. you. Yeah, this makes no sense at all that we're spending any time talking about this. I'm literally hanging up now, so you can go take care of your family. Goodbye, and we'll talk about this when tomorrow. Like, yeah. be be, per- be a human. Yeah, and. And she was so, I didn't hang up on her, obviously, but um, she was so thankful. And, and I'm, she's like, I'm doing this all the time. No one ever does that. Said, they don't see it, man. <laughs> and I'm not, yeah. That's not a comp. I'm not trying to like be complimentary no, no. about me. I'm saying we're so programmed into, I don't, I don't, it, it doesn't make any sense. And, and the, the, I think the incredible thing is that when you think about it, I mean, I, you know, where I, where I worked, the average age was, you know, 
early thirties, late twenties, mid thirties, you know, like they're, they weren't old, you know, and there's me and I'm almost 50 and we would have conversations where they'd set a meeting and they'd send me a meeting. It would be like seven o'clock my time. And I I just go, I'm not taking that meeting. You know, whatever you think you need to say to me at that time, you can say to me at 10 AM. Right. Yeah. And there's a reason that I do my hours the way I do them. And just because you have access to me at my house, because I'm working from home, Yep. does not mean you have access to me at the hours you think you do. And it was, it was really, that's also not why I was fired. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, it was really the podcast, <laughs> but, it, but it was it was just the podcast, but it was, it's, it's interesting to me that, that we needed to, it was like, we needed to relearn how to set boundaries for ourselves. The minute we all went into work from home, those of us yeah. that were lucky enough to go into work from home, we needed to relearn boundaries because a lot of us, just went, well, I've, my desk is right here. My bed is over there. I can walk over here and just get to start. I can be here and whatever you want, you know? And it's like, we had to readjust and go, no, now hold on a minute. I would never have accepted a meeting at this time because I would already be on my way home or I would already be home. You had access to me all day. Yeah. And it, it, and it's an interesting, I, I think it's, um, I think it's an interesting observation that you, that you went, well, wait a minute. It, you know, right. This this would not be happening if oh. if you were at an office. We wouldn't be doing it. Why we think it's okay because we can yeah, do it's it. Not okay. This is absolutely not okay. And yeah. why are we doing that? So that we can be dismissed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, honestly, that is the disproportion that we're faced, and I think we're so afraid because I mean, holy, I mean, fuck, I don't want to get into like this whole weird you know, capitalist patriarchy ideology shit, but it's like, we're, we're so it's just expected. It's just expected of us. And if we want to play in this narrative society, whatever it is that's happening here, Mm -hmm. this is how, this is the rules now. Yeah. But we we need to, I I, I apologize for interrupting. I I think we need to accept that this is where we are. And if someone gets let go, they need to find work. And it's, and it tends to be very scary unless you have some kind of runway that you've arranged for yourself. And, you know, yeah. you, you would be a very unique person in that you were more financially able to survive something like getting let go, you know, as a partner in a company with a vested interest in it, a financial interest in it. They can't just, they can fire you, but they need to compensate you probably way more than they would compensate someone like me. So that's, that's an advantage that you had Mm -hmm. Um, with, and with BBDO, you know, you probably went, well, (laughs) I got a couple of bucks. I think a lot of people that are working paycheck to paycheck, Mm -hmm. you know, they absolutely do understand that they don't want to have to do it and they don't want to be afraid for their careers but i have a a, you know i have a wonderful partner who you know makes a pretty good living doing what she does so i she's been patient and she's like well you got to find yourself a job like it's been no almost two months and yeah i'm you know i'm doing my thing (laughs) but that's but that's an advantage of paying attention having a good employment lawyer (laughs) oh yeah holy shit man that's a key yeah, there. I mean, organizations always try and short, you know, short change people on severance and yeah, 
really go out there with a minimal offer and you have to sadly have to fight for, you know, fair, fair terms on, uh, on your package. Well, you know, and I think if there was a piece of advice that I have, if you can, I, I would not have the first time this happened to me, I would not have, I was so broken up. I couldn't have thought about a lawyer, but I should have, I should have thought about a lawyer. Um, and this time I just immediately said, no, 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 I need a lawyer. And it, and I knew that it was going to cost me something mm-hmm. to have it. Uh, but a corporation does not have feelings. So they, oh. they're not going to go ethical and moral and say, well, you've been a great asset. So let's pay you out, you know? So I would, yeah, I would definitely recommend, I would definitely recommend getting a lawyer. It, it just Don't sign uh, anything. No. Don't sign anything until no. a lawyer looks at it. No, 100%. And this actually brings me to, and I'm sorry, this, this is a really tangential moment. I'm a big, oh, yeah, tan- yeah. I'm, a, like I'm a big tangent fan, but a, a buddy of mine was talking about um, employment contracts. Like when you get an employment contract, how it is yep. always going to be one-sided in favor of the employer. And there are certain things that have sort of been grandfathered in that you need to get a lawyer to look at because there's this whole thing with like Ontario law in particular that um, they don't have the rights that they say they do, but we sign anyways. Right. Right. And it's, it's, it's of value to have a good employment lawyer to be able to look at your contracts. It costs a couple of bucks. You know, when I say a couple of bucks, it's a couple hundred dollars, but in the end, you know, your rights will be protected because that's their job. And, and an employer's job is not to protect your rights. An employer's job is to make as much money as they can out of you for the time that they have you. So, you know, but that's, and there's such right now, such a a war on talent, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. It's funny, you know, um, this isn't just, this isn't just about creative people, but I think we're so insecure about our worth Mm -hmm. that we're willing to give up so much so fast yeah because like any like and i can say this with absolute certainty that anytime an offer goes out to anybody they want you yeah you only have one fucking shot to negotiate one chance to negotiate before you sign so you need to do your due diligence and it's not like they're gonna if you ask questions or want to amend something the job is going to be withdrawn the offer is going to be withdrawn they mm-hmm. want you yeah so come to a mutually beneficial agreement because they want you to start happy yeah they don't want you to start feeling like ah oh, for another five grand in comp i could have had a much happier employee mm-hmm. like that's the kind of thinking that goes into this stuff and yeah. and so don't be afraid to get what you want well <laughs> i do like that we've started to give we're, we're now providing advice on oh i don't know uh, sorry just, sure. no no, no. <laughs> excuse me i think i think it's entirely valid i you know one of the one of the things that i was hoping that we would be discussing is is from the point of view of a manager and the point of view of a, a leader and and someone who takes care of people or not takes care of people directs people would probably be more apt yeah. um is is this concept of how do you em- empathetically mm-hmm. provide someone with guidance when you're and, 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 and that story of the, the career person who was just like, uh, you know, I've got all this stuff going on in my house and you went 
close it down, we're going to close it down. For the past couple of years, you've been at PwC for five years, you said? So, yeah. so two and a half of those years has been a global pandemic. Yep. Like how fast did you see yourself and the organization shifting to get an understanding of people's time? So to, to, to respect and understand this time. Yeah. Well, what I will tell you is I don't think I've ever worked for an organization that's more uh, people focused than PwC. It's, it's incredible that a place that's so big and has so much scale mm-hmm. can actually be down, you know, like to the individual. It's amazing. Um, without blowing smoke there, what I will say is people obviously started working from home immediately. Mm-hmm. because in this kind of work you can do from home, right? And um, the, they did a lot, of, um, a lot of surveys throughout the whole process and a lot of communication, like really early on starting to get the pulse. And it been, obviously the, the work-life balance thing, we were not immune to that. And right. so, but that came up really loud and clear, like really early on. And I think they made some changes uh, to what we're, expected and, and how leaders were were leading in terms of time and like putting things in signatures that say, hey, this is a convenient time for me to be communicating, but it doesn't mean that you need to, especially right. some people like to send emails at midnight. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean you have to respond now. It just means it's convenient for me. Mm-hmm. And so coming up with language to really make sure that people felt like you didn't, there is a demarcation, you know, it's not perfect, but it was really called out and recognized and, and fought for, you know, mm-hmm. for that balance. Yeah. The question I have, and it's specifically from that point of view of moving on after something, right? So you were pretty clear that, that the BBDO scenario, it didn't have the emotional impact that the grip one did. So, you know, to me, that's like a, you just moved on and you did your thing, but with grip, after you did finally come to terms with, okay, I, I actually, I can't just be depressed. I need to move on. What, what did you find was probably the most valuable um, technique for getting yourself past it? Was it just like a buck up soldier and do it? Or did you, did you start to do something different for yourself? Oh, wow. I really felt sorry for myself, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really blame myself. Fuck, did I ever beat myself up after that? You know, that whole <clears throat> that Buddhist parable about the arrows. You know, life is full of arrows, like arrows, there's physical arrows and then there's mental arrows. So the physical arrows are the ones like, you know, you get sick or someone dies, like real stuff. And that's the arrow that hits you and shit that hurts. Right. But then as soon as that happens, you start actually just adding more arrows by saying you're stupid and Right. coming up with all this stuff, all the blame and all the self-loathing and all that stuff. <clears throat> that stuff, doing that is very damaging. And so we all do it. I did it. You do it. Mm-hmm. Getting, getting past that's really difficult. But I think once you start to examine the whole, the whole scene and kind of look at it big picture and say to yourself, hey, you know what? There's a lot of factors going on here and they're not all that I'm a jerk and I suck. Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think once you can move past that and just say, you know, it's, I mean, obviously there's always, 
maybe in rare cases, but there's always like some culpability. Yeah. Right. It's not all your fault. <laughs> yeah. So once you get past that, cause that, that for me, I, Oh my God, man, I was so tied up in that. I felt my family. It was like, Oh, arrows, arrows, arrows. I was mm-hmm. really beating myself up hard. Once I, once I said, Hey, you know what? It's time to stop doing that. Then I said, okay, you know what? Yeah. Some of it's my fault, but there's other components to it too. Mm-hmm. And I started to look at it as a little bit of a blessing. I did want out. I, I was done there and my partners knew it. They fucking, it was a mercy kill. Right. <clears throat> I mean, really it's probably what it was and I was unhappy and they knew it and that was the way out. And so they showed me the door and I, I it yeah, is, thanks. It is, it is interesting how, and, and this is not, this is not the scenario in which you, one of the things we talked about yesterday was, you know, letting someone go because they cost the company a ton of money. You know, they, they, they lost 15 hours worth of time on a project because they decided they were going to do something. There's, there is a difference between that and an overarching narrative of this is that person's role and their job and we're going to let them go. So I find it, I find it really interesting because what happened and what happens to me is there is a, a, a good deal of introspection. Like what did I do and what, how could I have made this work beyond just acquiescing to everything? Um, and, and then the, that looking outwards and saying, what factors had I no control over? Right. Yep. And that, and that's what you're saying that I find really interesting is this, you know, you were done, right. But you wouldn't have left. And that, you know, it's like, I, I was done, but I liked having a paycheck. I liked getting my quarterly, you know, mm-hmm. I, I liked, I liked the title. I liked having my name yeah. on the, on the masthead. There's all mm-hmm. that stuff that, that can be factored into why you would stay. Sure. But at the end of the day, two months, four months, six months down the road, when you go, oh man, I am so glad I'm not doing that. Yep. And that's such a, it's such a weight that gets pulled off of you when you, the first time you think it is, oh, yeah. I'm so glad I'm not there. I'm so yeah. glad I'm not there. And it, it, it's hard. It's hard because until you get there, it is not a good place for your head. Right. No. And <clears throat> a potential quick, quicker way to understanding what's really at, at your core is asking yourself why you're so upset about it. What part of you and really kind of delving into sort of that kind of root cause sort of mumbo jumbo, you know, whether you ask yourself the five whys, you know, ask yourself why five times, but if you can figure out what part of you is really fucked off and upset, it's like, Oh man, it's, I'm actually really worried about this or I'm really embarrassed. God, I'm embarrassed. That's what, that's why I'm so angry. I'm embarrassed. What am I going to tell my friends? Right. It's not that you lost the job or that blah, blah, blah. It's tied up in something altogether different. Mm-hmm. You can find that out. You can actually get, you can ease, you can ease your pain a little bit more quickly. Yeah. Um, just because you kind of know, you know what, what it is. You found what the bug, what the bugaboo is or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Um, but the, the, the idea of saying why, and the, I, I've never heard that. That's great. Like the five whys, I've never heard that. Um, but the, but the, to say to yourself, you know, what, what about this bothers me the most? And, and Mm -hmm. that, and it's almost like a checklist, right? So you say, well, okay, then I can't control that. 
that shouldn't bother me anymore. It's going to, but it shouldn't. And I will figure out how to get past it. What bothers me the next most. Right. Yeah. And it, is it, is it someone, is it an outsider internal? And I find that really interesting. And it is something that we, I think we, most of us would do except for super angry loners that then write manifestos and, you know, <laughs> and post things on their blog that make no sense. Somebody had said, somebody had said, you know, getting fired is sometimes like a bad breakup. It's, yep. you know, you lose your half of your friends. You no longer can go to the same places you used to go. And I, I, I thought about that a lot and how, you know, especially in advertising where we're yeah. such a, and I don't want to, I I've said it before, but like, we're such an incestuous group where we go yeah. from agency to agency to agency. And unless you are a total sack of shit, you are welcomed to other families without, you know, with very little trepidation, with very little res reservation. But if you are a total sack of shit, no one wants to work with you, you know? So, I mean, that's a good sign. I think John. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If nothing else, if you're a sack of shit. <laughs> you have been able to work at other places. So you're obviously yeah. not a total sack Actually, of shit. The, 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 yeah, exactly. The, the sacks of shit usually, usually get found out. I think not yeah. always, but usually, <clears throat> but yeah, it's um, God, don't beat yourself up. That's yeah. it. It's almost There's... the meaning of life right there. Don't beat yourself up. So well, much. there's a, there's a lot there's a lot and that could be gleaned from from teaching a kid, you know, that that does sports or teaching a kid that competes at anything and doesn't win, yeah. and you're like, you can't control the fact that somebody else won that, you know. Like yeah. I I used to compete in a ton of different sports, and I remember, I remember being super upset that someone was faster than me, uh, on the track, and this you know my my coach was like, you don't know how much they train, you know, you're naturally fast, but you don't train that much to get as far as you have without training. is pretty great. If you train, you'd be as fast as that person. So, I, you know, I think in a lot of cases we need to sort of say to ourselves, like, you know, that's not, that's not necessarily my fault. In, in, yep. in some scenarios, of course, some things are 100% our fault. <laughs> Yep. But that's not what this podcast is about. <laughs> well, then you'd have to change your name to it's all your fault. It's all your fault. Yeah. Look inward. Look inward, dirtbag. You know, <laughs> so as we're, I, we could, um, we could consider ourselves on the tail end of this night. I have really, really enjoyed this conversation. I, I have to Thank say, you. like, um, this is the most I've ever spoken to you. One. You're right. Uh, but it has been really, really enjoyable. I don't, don't know you. So it's, it's, uh, it's such a funny thing to have you say like, oh yeah, no, I, I want to be on that. I'm like, oh, fucking a, you know, you've been on the periphery of my career mm -hmm. for a long time. And I, and I have, I've really, really enjoyed this. I hope when things open up again, and if you're, you know, willing, we'll go have a, have a, a cocktail or something. That would be great. Um, uh, Price Waterhouse Cooper uh, looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. That's that's a, that's a, literally a joke. But um, so, anyways, I have to I have to say, like th the insight of figuring out the f a faster way to get. I mean, no one, and it, it sounds very therapeutic, right? Like the to me, the 
the idea of introspection, it's a second nature thing, but it isn't for everyone. And I think the concept of asking, I love that I have to say, like, I know I've said it once before, but I want to repeat the idea of saying to yourself, what bothers me here? Like, what is it that bothers me? And, and I think the hardest part, and you can correct me here, but the hardest part is being honest in your response. Oh God. Yeah. Dude, the first thing. Yeah. It's like, it's what part of me or, or, which personality or which trait of me is fucked is is affected by this mm-hmm. you know oh man that really hurt my pride or it's it's probably not what you think mm-hmm. at all and that's the trick it's and it's hard. yeah and then being honest and going is that really what's bugging me or is it i never think i'm going to get another job again yeah i'm going to end up on the street blah 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 or am i catastrophizing here yeah. stuff's easier to get around sometimes yeah. it's not usually about money i mean i mean it's about money it's always about money i think we all think we're going to be destitute but if you're really honest with yourself it's probably not that mm-hmm. you know because you get a job at a bookstore or like whatever you know what i mean like if you had to make the ends meet so that you can get kicked out of your place yeah you could probably find something you'd to figure do, it especially out. right now you'd figure it out yeah, exactly. So you go, okay, check it. If it's not financial, big picture financial, what is it, man? Yeah. Maybe I remember, not- you know, you know, the honesty part is is going to be the hardest as far as I'm concerned. I remember in speaking with a young guy, he was in his twenties and I was kind of, I was kind of his manager. I was 100% his manager and he asked for a certain amount of money as a raise. And I, I'd said, you know, you, your lifestyle grows into the money you make. So if you think that that 5000 or $8,000 is, is going to solve whatever problem you think you have financially, it's not. You're all of a sudden going to spend five or $8,000 more in your life because you have it. So unless you're, unless you're way better at money management than I am, which I think 90% of people are, uh, our lifestyles shift to accommodate what we make. And, and that that goes also to when you make less. So, yes. you know, when I lost my job with Wondermaker, I'm, I'm debating whether or not when I say some uh, company's name, I'm going to bleep it out. But when I lost mm-hmm. my job with Wondermaker, I all of a sudden made way less money. And I figured out how to stretch everything I had to survive until I found more work. And it was, it was such an interesting thing for me because now I, I really do know what desperation looks like, you know, and not, not to the, I'm going to rob somebody desperation, but, but like, Oh, how am I going to pay my mortgage desperation? And I, and that to me is an eye opening experience. I don't really ever want to repeat, but I, I do know how your life can contract and expand based on the money you have. And I, sure. you know, I, th- I think we need to sort of be aware because, you know, the big, the big piece of advice you always get from like financial advisors is have this much money set aside because every month of unemployment is a year's worth of salary you need to get back, you know? And it's like, Oh my God, I don't wait, know. Wait, what? <laughs> Somebody had said to me, <laughs> so it was, it was like their, their, their parent was an accountant and the parent said like, when you lose your job, every month that you're unemployed without sal- without any kind of money is essentially a year that you need to work to get that. Oh, I see. To get yeah, your yeah. savings back to where they were because you're starting to scramble through your savings. So there's it's a lot a, of assumptions there. 
so many assumptions, but that's yeah. what that's accountants don't <laughs> with all due respect to accountants, accountants have a job all the time. You know, accountants don't accountants yeah. don't do marketing. Marketing is a very different world in my mind. It's its own thing. It's such a beast. It's so funny. Uh, Yesterday's guest was a is a teacher. He's an educator. So he has a very set salary that, you know, yeah, really, yeah. and I mean, especially in the past four years has not changed because of Bill, whatever the number was. And it's, it's such a strange thing. We are an ebb and flow industry. The ones that we're in, you know, marketing and advertising and stuff like that. It's such yeah. a, such a funny, it's such a funny world. I think once people get their head wrapped around everything as ebb and flow, they get a real felt sense about what that actually means. Mm-hmm. You can be a lot happier because um, shit's supposed to expand and contract and, you know, uh age and things this is the Mm -hmm. normal thing and we're fighting so desperately to hold on to whatever it is that we've got whatever that is yeah that that becomes the thing itself it's that's not you're not supposed to be in the same space the whole time yeah it's not natural so you know no i it it, it's funny but like to me that was one of the things about this concept for a podcast getting the text from my mom i was like yeah you know there are people that either they're living it right now or they have, and they could use someone either affirming what they already know or providing them with a way to, to what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not justify, but a, a way to understand what they're, what they're going through, comprehend yeah. the whole thing. And I, yeah. I, I think that this this is this has been a, a a great conversation because of the fact that what you are talking about is huge, huge. <laughs> and I, I, I honestly can't wait to listen to this again. Oh, know? thank. Well, you know, we have a very difficult time of imagining our lives to be other than they are currently. Mm-hmm. And if you can be brave enough to imagine a different a different way at it, like we do with ideas or marketing solutions or technologies. If you can just say, dare to see yourself doing something else, living somewhere else, being somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That's courageous. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've never had a solid direction of my entire life. So I, I, I 100% agree with that. <laughs> Me either. I, I didn't get here. I didn't get here because of the plan. Dude. I got um, here because I got here. I really, I know, I know I've repeated myself and I, I've said thank you a couple of times, but I really, really do appreciate your time here tonight, uh, John. Thanks. I really enjoyed it. It's always fun to uh, have a bit more perspective because I've been around a while now and I'm, I've kind of been through it a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, it does get easier and just be, be kind to yourself. I know that sounds like one of those uh, Hallmark cards or whatever, um, but yeah. Be kind to yourself. We're our own worst enemy, if you will. It's true. You and, know, um, with, with with all of this, I I really want to give a little shout out. I know that you you actually do run your own podcast as well through PwC uh, called Shift. It is, yeah, Shift. Um, it's uh, hmm, I think we've done I don't know how many episodes now, but it's been on for four years, uh, and I have the good fortune of having amazing guests like the president and CEO of the LCBO or, mm. you know, like really um, 
like C-level clients who want to talk about, you know, large-scale uh, transformations and, and, you know, customer experience and things that um, I find really interesting but don't know that much about. Right. So I'm able to learn something along the way uh, and kind of be um, ask dumb questions, I guess, and not be too worried about it because I don't know. I'm a creative guy. What do I know about <laughs> target operating models? So uh, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. So, but yeah, that's you can find it on. Um, Apple anywhere and anywhere, anywhere you the listen podcast. to podcasts. Yeah, PWC shift. Amazing. Okay. Well, that and and it's I'm sure it's not the nature of every podcast to tell other people to tell people to go to other podcasts, but <laughs> I don't care. I think that's fantastic. I love the idea. I have said and I'm hanging up in a minute, but I have said many times that podcasts the minute everything shut down, there were two two things that happened a bunch of celebrities became podcasters because they had nothing to do, which shifted all of the attention from the grinders that have been doing their thing. And nobody commuted anywhere. So nobody listened to podcasts the way they used to. And now that we're sort of re-entering into a mobile society, people are listening to podcasts again. I'm, I'm getting more people going like, hey, when's your next episode? So, you know, with this new podcast, with shift, with, with things that we may have seen a, a slight decline in, in listenership. I think it's all kind of coming back and I'm pretty stoked for the whole thing. Well, thanks for the shout out. Uh, it's a lot of fun to do it for sure. Hopefully people get something out of it and you're right. Uh, podcasts are even more back. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of dismissed was produced by and is copyright of Hugh Elliott. Did you enjoy this episode and want to support the podcast? Head over to patreon.com forward slash Hugh Q Elliott, two L's and two T's. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month for behind the scenes, early releases, and even more content. Feel like you have a story to tell? Email Hugh, dismissed at hughqelliott.com with the subject guest. Thanks for listening and have a fantastic day.